I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening You're pinning words All like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Give me a little test, test or something. Test, test, check, mic one, Oh, two, give me a couple one, bars two. in. Give me a couple bars in. Uh-uh. Yeah, give it a couple bars. <laughs> I got the red vine, divine, I shine, I'm so supreme. Yeah. Every time I rap, you know, we in a dream. Uh-huh. I got the beatbox at my back, I attack, and it's mixed. How you so, Lisa, hello. How you gonna have a cypher without me? <laughs> he was supposed to no. get in. Y'all were just interrupted. Huh? We're just about to include you and bring you in. Where you at, Chris? Let me hear you. <clears throat> Damn, Hello. that's how you go to <laughs> How are people going today? Lisa, you're about Lisa, to call. teach a lecture at a class or something. Dunny? I might. <laughs> testing, testing, one, two, three, right, testing. Good. Good. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. Will we keep it real? We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. Y'all see how she just stared at me like that? Throw them W's She did that shit on purpose. Wakanda forever. <laughs> you got to say it. She with, want her own You got to say it with your Flores Consumba voice. Like when she was <laughs> talking to Black Widow and say? was letting that bitch know. <laughs> move or you shall be moved. Wakanda move, forever. Bitch, I feel like in my head, like every time I see the clip... And they say, we're going to forever. I feel like in parentheses, there's a bitch at the end of that. <laughs> like, she's letting them know, like, you're not bitch punking. Comes it does. Yeah, like, exactly. I feel like it's there. Anyway, Wait a minute. We're kind of forever. What that's our new, that? yes, that's our new thing. Black Panther. I've only seen the trailer once. Yeah, well, you only that's, watched a, it that's once? all anybody's seen. Just, just piece of it. Just, I, I, the I, new uh, one? The full length? I've watched like 20 seconds of it, so I've seen it enough. He wasn't crazy. No, no. It's my rule. He's just getting in trouble. Oh, you don't watch Oh, that's right. He can't stand He's it. So he don't want to he don't want to know the whole story. I, I, he don't want to know. I, 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 I like you that. know, <clears throat> see shots that won't be in the movie. I'll be waiting for shots to show up in the movie. Like, when's that going to happen? Don't Okay. Uh, fam, don't be fam, right. fam, don't listen. Okay. Go re, go refer to my tweet. In 2015, I believe it was, <laughs> when Black Panther so lit first started trending right. with some of my peeps, and I said, I don't even care if the movie's a flop. It could be two hours of black people sitting around a table looking <laughs> fabulous, and bitch, I'm going to watch it. The movie don't even have to be good. I'm just letting y'all know. Right. It could be subpar. <laughs> they ain't got to say shit in that movie. Mm. I'm coming dressed. <laughs> what you going to wear? I'm going to have the pan. I'm, well, I was going to wear the full-on African, but I'm, I'm coming to Shuri. Oh, right, right. I'm coming in full on I'm doing the whole Nigerian face paint Everything mm-hmm. I'm coming in with the sage <laughs> I'm walking in with lions <laughs> She's gonna be at the movie bitch, theater look, bitch look, I'm coming sage, in I'm okay? coming in I'm coming just in just I'm coming everyone. in like Eartha <laughs> Kitt In Timbuktu In 1978 <laughs> Okay I'm coming in with the boots The whip um, oh, um, It's gonna be fabulous There was like a 
It's this movie the hell's uh, when we were kings about right. um, Muhammad Ali. Ali. Right. There's a moment where they're in uh, Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. for something, and it's like in the seventies, <laughs> and everyone's coming real pimped out, right? Like real coming out, out the Cadillac. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, yeah. it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be like that. No, it's like wearing a dashi. Listen, no, no, not even dashi. Like, they I'm come with the furs, like, yeah, the fur hat, the fur hat, that's kind of the like leopard print on the sides. You know, you know how they come coordinated. Roll. Like it's gonna be like y'all think. I'm bullshitting. February 16th, 2018. That is the black takeover of the world. That's the new national holiday. In fact, I'm going to go two more times to see the movie just to stand outside and watch what people are wearing when they go in. <laughs> see what I got to do? Can we get to the show? God damn it. I'm going to sell curried rice <laughs> and peanut stew chicken outside for all the Pan-Africanists. Peanut stew chicken? Yes. For all the Jola. West Africans. Ooh, Ooh, like I love fufu. And for the Creole right. folks who come from everything, we're going to have the red rice. Okay. For all my New Orleans folk, my Mississippi people, them Alabama folks who come from, look. Gumbo? Thank you. Right. We're going to be cutting up the gumbo. We're going to be <laughs> doing, the, we're going to be making the roux right there with the hot pot in right. front of everybody. Right. The hot pot. The yes. Hot. Yes. You already know. Okay. Yes. So, with that, y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. Mm. On this show, we discuss entertainment, yes. TV, film, yes. music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So, y'all here. Little misinterruption over here. Hey, can we say a shout out to Paul? Wait, wait. So the last two episodes ago. No, wait, wait, wait. I have to say this. (laughs) No, because I say I have to say this because this is brave. The gentleman was Paul who gave us the script that led us to do the. where yeah. we read the cold Paul, read. Paul Rose Yeah, Jr. Paul, I want to say thank you because, you know, that's a hard thing to do for us to read your script bold. and for us to go through it with Paul Gio and, like, rip your pages that we've never seen before. <clears throat> well, let's tell the kids what that is who don't know. Um, it's called the Sleeping uh, Don't Sleep On It segment, which is basically we take a, a script that we have not read before. It's a cold read and basically... Just a, few, just a scene, like a yeah, few pages. Yeah, right? and it's like no more than like four, no more than like three or four pages. And basically we read it as a fresh read <laughs> as if we were like executives somewhere just reading it and trying to figure out whether or not this is going to go upstairs or not. Right. And it's our honest opinions. And I thought about it after a couple of weeks because he, he hit us up on Twitter and I said, you need to come on the show because I think that's really brave because yeah. we were not... It's not that after we were he does kind, his rewrite. Yeah, his yeah. Rewrite. I mean, it's not that we're not kind. It's just that we're really honest. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy to have to sit there when you put... Because I know what it's like to put the words on the page and then you give it up for people to look at and it's like, it's your heart. But you got to remember, like, once it's on that page, it's not you. It's the words and what's on that page that speaks right. for itself. So shout out to Paul for going through that. It's not easy. So right. there you go. Cool. Yeah. So that was my only interruption. <laughs> for so, now, little misinterruption over here, Lisa Bolakaja. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got my man over there, Chris Derrick from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers. Hello, What's up, Chris? People. How you yeah. doing? You awake today? I'm awake today. <laughs> he got his caffeine. Oh, I got like, he got his Red Bull. Did you see his little one sheet? He made his own screenwriter grammar one sheet with his did face he? on there. I'm like, oh, I want he did. One. Yes, I he just did. Did it a second ago. I didn't see it. I wasn't paying attention. Yes. I see it on your phone, on your iPhone. Yeah. yeah. Nice. He does graphic design. He does everything. You know, besides oh. being a director. I'll send it out. Okay, cool. To promote. That's what's up. So cool. So if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, so today, I'm about to introduce him. See, this is what happens when you have your assistants on the, on the, on the, on the cameras and shit. They're keeping like, you on the straight and narrow. Pretending like they're busy, like they're doing They're keeping you on two, your game. She's got two phones in her hands. Okay. Right? You know what I'm saying? I feel like she's multi And one ain't even on her brother. She just focused on <laughs> your fucking ass. <laughs> Who is you? Okay. So if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. So today we got my man here today, Mr. Wade Elaine 
Marcus. Yes. Did I get it right? Said. Yeah, that was perfect. Did I, did I just flow it out the, with the vocals? It was very, gym? yeah, because that's kind of an easy one to mess up. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, Try Hillary, right. damn it. And Wade is such a, like, one of those those dignified names. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like Jerome or Darnell. <laughs> it's like Wade. It, come, it has a gravitas to itself, because I love names as a writer. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for good names. So Wade is like... I appreciate you, you, that. No, it's a good name. Yeah. It's a good name. I'm it's glad very you It's very Southern. It. It's kind of like Lieutenant Wade. Right. But you don't say it like that. But when you say it, like the sharp Wade, it just sounds like royalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, my parents found that <laughs> that um, that name on the back of their Lamaze name tag. Really? So they were in class Aww. doing Lamaze, and well, thank God like they didn't the name you Lamaze. Thing. You could yeah, no, they you were there. I don't think anybody really does Lamaze <laughs> mm-hmm. anymore for the breathing exercises. But it was literally on the back, which mm-hmm. I actually still don't really understand because that has to stick somewhere. That's true. But they flipped it over. There it was, and they were like. I guess his name's Wade. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. So we got Wade here today, everybody. Writer, director, producer. I'm not forgetting some actor. But I'm sure what else you do? You know you got nine different hyphens. Everything. Editor now, shit. What else? Oh, you're you editing do? now too? You do it all. I've been editing my stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I came from being a dancer and doing music. I am as a dancer. Well. Mm-hmm. All these yeah. people with all these stuff. You gotta talents. be a triple threat to do this shit. Choreographer too? Damn, right. y'all doing much. Right. That's where it started. That's that was early days. And I mm-hmm. think that has fed into me being a director. Right. In hindsight. Right. I'm not like choreographing. I'm not like choreographing on the regular. I'm not right. in my room trying to come up with stuff, but I think that is constantly influencing. I I have the, the same work. background coming from theater and you know, dance and everything, and I've danced with, you know singers and rappers and stuff I've toured so I have I've choreographed shows so I, I think it was a easier transition when I started directing too yeah. so I totally relate to that we we think like where's the logistics how are we moving in this room how does Completely. this look spatial Come, awareness the yeah, ballet right. the camera all right. that right. right that's what's up so most of you guys know my man here from Insecure my man yeah. my home team over here oh Lisa gonna get in on you Ooh, no team. I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm coming <laughs> As a fan of the show, mm-hmm. I'm coming from a place of fandom, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Wade has already said that people have come up to him as right. if he really oh, is that really, character. No, not, not just come up to me, he screamed at me Ooh. from wow. balcony top, Ooh. saying, "That ain't your baby." <laughs> from afar, I'm like, "Hello, <laughs> hello." You're like, I don't even know where it's coming from. I didn't, right. didn't want to say it out loud like that, but since it has been spoken. Right. That is the question of the day that left us with that cliffhanger. That's right. I mean, I, I ain't got an answer for that. But. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, we got my man Wade on here today. So, let's go in a little bit of Wade, talk about where you're from and how you got into the game in the first place. Yeah. Well, I am from here, from Los Angeles, California, born and raised in... in Compton. In, <laughs> one, one of the few. <laughs> True. No, well, I mean, born at Cedar sinai Hollywood. Um, just down the street. But yeah, I spent a lot of time also on like Slauson and Overhill, kind of between those two right. places, um, going back and forth, which I think also looking back was very influential. And um, yeah, my folks are, are in the business, mm-hmm. so it was very much like a natural thing for me, except <clears throat> I was an only child for a long time, so right. I think I was constantly performing. Um, my parents were really young when they had me, so they were right. always having parties. Like <laughs> They would just like have, you know, for real you know, 20-something parties, and then really? there'd be this little five-year-old boy there, and they'd be like, watch, this'll be funny, he's gonna dance until he falls asleep on the dance floor. <laughs> just shit like that. But they do dance, dance, Wade, yeah, do that yeah. dance. Oh, he's like, now. dance, play the piano, you know, and I ate it up. With like, a big uh, curly afro, look, just get Exactly, it. yeah. Um, and yeah, and then at some point, uh, they took me to New York. I was probably like 10 years old, mm-hmm. and just fell in love. It was like a trash strike and a blizzard, and I put a Kangol hat on back, ah, and I was like, you I need to be it. here, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he and said, so, I'm slick Rick today, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it very much. And so I um, was fortunate enough to go to NYU. Mm-hmm. I was out there um, then for eight years. But I went to the experimental theater wing. Nice. At NYU, that coming from a dance background, you know. Now your your parents, so your parents were cool about you getting into business. A lot of people whose parents were in the business, like I don't want you getting into this shit. Yeah, you know, they were they were especially you know the life of an actor, which is like kind of the direction I was headed early on. They were like, "Are you sure you want to do this? I don't think you want to do this. Like maybe there's other aspects of the business." When I was 16, like um, I got a job in the mailroom at CAA. And like put a tie on and like really? saw what that was. And I kind of like yes. that. Like yes. I enjoyed yes. selling shit for yeah. a summer. Um, but eventually, for me, just creating and being an artist was was important. Right. And then there was some class that I had at school. It was oh, it was um, I was doing a play from Taming of the Shrew, Shakespeare. Oh yeah. And I remember my mom came to see that, and afterwards she came up to me. She was like, "You're not bad. <laughs> You're not bad." And that was enough for me to be like. Which is I a lot from your mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yo, it was yeah. very much. Yeah, the yeah. one who told me, you know, the maniacal pursuit of excellence. The maniacal three pursuit. Three years of old. Say that again. Maniacal. Yeah. Say that again. That's no, her whole shit. her whole <laughs> motto was and is the maniacal pursuit of excellence. Wow, that's um, you, Lisa. That's some bars right there. Well, I met his mom, uh-huh. and she's amazing. <laughs> you remember, mom? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, when I was in the Film Independent <clears throat> Fellowship for screenwriting, oh, uh, part of our thing, um, they paired you up with a mentor and just have you have a meeting. They read your screen mm-hmm. notes, and your mom's like gave me some great notes. Remember the thing I walked out of the the, the lot, and I walked out. The one thing I remember, she says, "You know what?" And your mom, his mom was the one that made me tell people like, when you come in there, make sure you have some other shit right. because she read my script. Right. She says, "This is good. What else she got?" <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Well, I have this, and she was like, "You know what? This script, particular script, this is actually make a better TV show." And the right. script was my um, my New Orleans script because right. you know coming from there. And right. she was like, "This is, is actually making." My family's from New Orleans. You know, that's where we're from. <clears throat> yeah, she was yeah. from because that's the connection was. I think that's why they probably paired us up because the script was based right. on that. Mm. And she was just like, "Yeah, but you know what? I see this more as like a TV series. You should really think about turning to a TV show." Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't have no juice. I didn't know anybody. But of course, eight years later, this is how this is how badass his mom is. <laughs> she says, "No, one day this is going to be a TV show." And then Tremaine came out eight years right. like. Eight years later, and I was like, "Man, had I been?" And I remember she said, "Well, what else she got?" Because she was like, the, "It was like the cliche moment." Right. But yeah. she's like, "Yeah, that's good. What else she got?" And I remember I was rattling off like three or four things, and she's like, "What else?" And I'm like, "God damn!" Mm-hmm. And I remember I walked out the lot, and I was like, "All right, next time I talk to my peeps, at the organization of black screenwriters, like mm-hmm. y'all, y'all got to have like." Yeah, she came and speak to us there. Five. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it was like it was like that moment. Stephanie Elaine, by the way, shout out to you, girl. You've yes. been rocking it. Yeah, who <laughs> changed? Yeah, and and my father, my father's in the business as well. He is um, a writer director. They met in college at UC Santa Cruz. Oh, right. A couple banana slugs. Santa- oh my god, <laughs> we sing that song with my kids at work. I love my, it. My mom That's was uh, well. My mom was a dancer and a poet at UC Santa Cruz. I think she she didn't quite know much about the business then. And my father was the one who was like, he's a writer director, and he made. Some short about a hitchhiking prostitute or something like that. Mm. You know, you're 19 years old, and and he cast my mom, and that is uh, how they met. So basically, they created a genius baby who is about to (laughs) take over Hollywood, (laughs) which is basically what you're saying to us, Wade. So (laughs) I love my parents. (laughs) Yes, no, but I I learned very distinct things from them. You know, my my mother is who she is, and you know that. And um, 
we would constantly talk about story and about the business, right. kind of twofold. There was one side of it about being excellent about story and being clear about <clears throat> the story you're telling and the narrative you're creating, not only within the story, but your own narrative. Right, right. And then my father is very much this um, brilliant artist and was constantly watching movies and creating stuff on his own. Right. You know, so like when I was four years old <laughs> before we were everybody was his doing shorts. Right. Hey, he was doing shorts yeah, already. Like, so Mario great. Van Peebles right. type yeah, of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, great Melvin, yeah. right? So yeah, no, I do very much feel like a product of of both of them. Right. So I, what what is the main thing? Like since you do everything, right now in this moment, what is the one thing you would like to do? Because I know you write, you do everything, but what is it that you think your passion is taking you right now? Um well, I, I've always been a storyteller from the very beginning, no matter what I was doing. I mean, for a while when I was younger, I had a bunch of different hip-hop groups. Like, we sold out the whiskey when I was, right. like, 17 years old, <clears throat> this, like, hip-hop jazz fusion. But when I but was... Y'all, but y'all missed it, by the way. I was teasing him when he was doing his mic check. He started giving me some bars, by the way, and people interrupted it. Look, you're supposed to let people know when a cypher is happening. You can't yeah. hear it. So that you could ease up and... You can't hear it? You can't hear the bars? Anyway. The bars are slightly dormant now, but they're around. They're still there. They're still there. Mm. Yeah, so for me, it's always been about storytelling. I was going to say, even when I was an MC, like... I wasn't really like dropping, you know, punchlines. Right. I was like, there was this dude on the island and he had salt and pepper hair. And like, people were like, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. It's a story that's happening. So for me, it's always been about so that hilarious. and continues to be that. You know, with the acting, it's like you don't have that much control over it. Right. You know, I, 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 I get ready for my auditions. I go in. Um, you know, being who I am, what I look like, I, I have an audition. I'm not like one of those people that's constantly auditioning. Right. So for me, it's all about creating the story, writing, putting the stories, you know, that I know that look like us onto the screen to reflect right. um, the experiences and, and slightly maybe even more like magical realism kind of experiences yeah. where people like us um, I'm onto the screen. So that's, that's very much um, the direction I'm headed. But yeah, I went to school for theater, trained in theater. That's my craft. And then I went and made this movie, French Dirty, for you know, with with my brother and like a couple of friends, mm-hmm. with you know, no money, we got in the can, we ran around LA shooting it, and it was very much on instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't gone to school for it; it was somewhere inside of me. But it was after that process um, of of finishing that, of being in the hole, as y'all know, when right. you're editing and right. trying to figure out what story <laughs> you're telling, and being slightly ahead of yourself when it's so new. Also, mm-hmm. you know, um, but after that something opened in me and I was able to kind of close doors on music and close doors on dance and have those elements just influence, you know, being a writer, director Mm -hmm. and a storyteller. Well, I think it's interesting you say that because what's his name? Rob Marshall, you know, like, like he's pretty much known for, um, those musicals. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I think that filmmakers who come from a musical background, and there's been a few who are very like Bob Fosse's comes to mind. Yeah. They create work that's interesting because they like move the camera, yes. move the actors in a way that has kind of like this it's it's kind of like a fluid muscle, mm-hmm. you know, and it's very interesting to see their work because it's it's different. It's different in that in that way because you're approaching it also from it's just my observation. I don't know how people think. But I think of it, I see some says that they, they you approach it from like, how is this gonna like feel 
from the rhythm that you're hearing in your head because dancers and musicians kind of hear that in a way that people who don't do that or can't do that don't hear. Someone great said, if you want to be a director, learn how to be a drummer. Hmm. And it's really like, it's it's all about rhythm and, and right. pace and how mm-hmm. you, you move, you know, you move through it. It's, there's a sense of musicality in combining the visual medium and, you know, the sonic mm-hmm. visual medium. When did French Dirty come out? Because I'd heard about <clears throat> that and I didn't realize it was yours. Because oh, cool. I recognized a lot of the actors in her and I remember it was doing its rounds and stuff. And I was like, oh. And then when I was like doing my little notes and I realized, wait. This is Wade that did this one? Because I'm trying to remember, what year did it come out? 2015. Okay. At the Los like, Angeles yeah. Film Festival. Okay. Right? Yeah. Which was so interesting because my mom was running the Los Angeles Film Festival mm-hmm. at that time. So that was like, you know, a very scary moment just because it was this movie that we had made completely on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were like kind of applying to different festivals, but it, it was never really ready. Like we were applying to like Cannes and Sundance like, and it wasn't done. <laughs> We've you all know? done it. Was it. Like, what were we We've doing? Hey, that's it. what you do. <clears throat> and then there was this weird lining up that happened where the film was actually ready to be seen and to be screened and the Los Angeles Film Festival was coming up and it's such an LA film, right. you know? And um, But of course it's like, all right, well, your mom is the head of <laughs> the, the LA Film Fest. Yeah. yeah, so like for me, I'm like, how is this going to work? Because it felt like this would be a great place to screen, but I don't want it to be undercut, right. you know? And so there was um, a really great process that went on. Uh, Roy Rastegar, who was also over there in the programming director, basically kind of pushed my mom out of the process. That's what you got to do. That's right. Yeah. That's, That's what right. you got to do. And so it went around, and, um, you know, it ended, up, it ended up being great. We premiered at the LA Muse, in the LA Muse section, and mm-hmm. that was just... An experience I'll never forget of um, of being there. And Netflix was in that first screening. Right. Um, and so was UTA. And so it was just one of those kind of kismet things that all lined up that um, they were there in that first screening. And then we ended up taking it to Cuba, um, nice. which was yes. such a beautiful thing. Nice. Um, they have these huge, like, 2,000 <clears throat> seats, like, Soviet-style theaters. Really? There's more theaters per capita in Havana than there is in Los Angeles. There's some, mm. like, crazy statistic like that. And um, we got to bring it over there. Um, was it under the auspices of, like, some kind of film, cultural? It was. Well, I had, I, had found, um, I had found this festival a year prior because I had made this movie before called Una y Otra y Otra Vez, which is about this guy who gets broken up with by his girlfriend because he's not man enough. Right. And he gets it in his head that... Um, the Pablo Escobar thing? Yeah, 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 that yeah he gets okay. it in his head that the only way to be a man is to become Pablo Escobar. Right. Like this weird... That's cute. That's funny. Yeah, and that, that came from an experience I had actually with, um, with Antoine Fuqua doing Brooklyn's Finest right. that we can talk about. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, so I was looking for... And, and I speak Spanish. My whole mm-hmm. life, everybody's always like, yo, you Spanish, right? Especially mm-hmm. being in New York, they're like, you Puerto Rican? And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you work that. Right. I am yeah. all the things. No, and I was always very much connected to the language and the culture for, for whatever reason. And so um, we were looking for festivals, and I had found this festival over there, which is the um, new cinema Latin American film festival. It's like the Sundance right. uh, of wow, the Latin American really? okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredible. It's been going on for 40 years. Everybody in the Latin American community goes down to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had applied uh, the year before with the short, didn't get in, but they you know, liked what we were doing. And then um, we sent this over, and we were one of three American films that wow. went that year. That's it was awesome. us, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. it was The Gift, and it was uh, Carol. 
Wow, so it was really? this very strange experience wow. of taking this tiny film over there. And then we and then we took it to Paris and played at the um Cinémathèque Francois. Really? Yeah. That's you, there. Chris. That's your type of shit. It is. He loves foreign films. Oh yeah. my god. I, I, That's all I watch now. You know, <laughs> like I have problems. Like last night I was watching something and I realized I had to stop and focus on English. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, oh shit. No, it's like you know, uh, you know, you know, there's a really interesting section on um the Criterion <clears throat> channel on mm-hmm. YouTube. There's this thing called if you come to our Criterion Closet, and all these filmmakers get to go in there and just raid whatever the fuck they want, right? But uh, the other night I was looking at it, and it was um, Isabelle Huppert was in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love this actress. Yeah. She's so... Isn't that Barry Jenkins' big crush? I think so. <laughs> he <laughs> like loves her. Because <laughs> yeah. she's such an amazing actress. I, I mean, she's so fearless yeah. in the roles she chooses. Yeah. And she chooses stuff that doesn't like stay on brand the right. way an American actress like Completely. would have to. Right. Um, but she just does a lot of amazing movies. And you watch her films that she's in, and it's like... The, 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 like they're so uh, the kind of shit that you just the behavior that people do in those movies are so what people really do but we don't see it over here right I, completely I mean right. there's that movie Michael Haneke film The Piano Teacher yes right. and uh, I have to spoil it because it's fucking like 12 years old you haven't seen it you're fucking <laughs> up um, <laughs> that's it's too late that's they, you got a week if you, was there, if you was there to support it you should have been there but there's like this so so she plays this piano teacher and she doesn't like the, the student she has she like breaks this glass and puts it in her pocket so when she goes out so so you know like p- puts it in the student's like jacket pocket mm-hmm. so she goes outside kind of in the winter and puts her hands in the pocket so he cut herself it cuts her hands so she can't play the piano anymore wow and I was like that's so fucked up Damn. but people do shit they, like people that. do shit like that and uh, it's just you know the movie she's out last year that was in for um, the Academy Award L have you seen mm-hmm. that yeah. mm-hmm. it's brutal you mm-hmm. know I mean yeah. she gets like raped in it and a few times you know? <laughs> more than once uh, Jesus. it's just kind of like what the fuck it was so soft with her getting raped you right, know? It was like, right. It's just, you watch this cat and then you hear this rape and then it pans over and she's getting and you're like what the fuck is this but it's like that's the type of stuff that she does right. she does films that aren't trying to be like she's pushing the envelope for sure. yeah, she's yeah. an actor she is that's yeah. what she is and yeah. I think in films you know not just like Haneke but also like for me and for French Dirty in particular I was really interested in the French New Wave and also in like Alfonso Cuaron's yeah. like early movies Ituma Bien, Jules and Jim specifically yeah. like go ahead boy talk that shit well I was just really interested <laughs> and I don't think I, I hadn't seen this in American films but to explore like Straight male love yeah. is really what it was because you know for me some of my most profound relationships in my life have been with with guys mm-hmm. but it's not you know it's only done with this like tinge of gay panic you right, know like right, you have right. to be like no homo you but be, I love you right. you got to be comfortable with right. you yeah, exactly right. but right. there's a there's a realness to be like I love you right mm-hmm. and like there's it's not homosexual. But it's real love right. and deep love. Right. And so I think that's why I was kind of turning to some of those movies because they were exploring that with an abandon that I hadn't seen in, uh, in American films. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, that's a really to, good point of view. I love to that. To a certain extent, it's like that movie, the, uh, this is Cassavetes, is his name? Hate? Is mm. the Lahane? Yeah, Like Lahane kind of explores that interesting totally. movie too. It's like it's like those three guys. Like it's a Jewish guy, a black guy, and a mm-hmm. Muslim. And it's like the bond that they form and that's explored. That's like 
I mean, that concept, like you said, it happens over here all the time, but the yeah. movies don't do it. And even the independent films don't do it. They'll do it with women right. constantly, you know, but they won't do it with like, like from the point of view of like men for whatever yeah. reason that that's going to like frighten people mm-hmm. or make it feel, like you said, like the no homo thing. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like... Um, I don't know, like that, like that's where those movies get bold, and, th- and that's when you watch those films, and you say, I mean, if you're not steeped in watching foreign film, you might say, "Well, these people won't let me do my movie. They won't want to do it." No, yeah. no, no, no. People are doing the movies. Yeah, like, you want to make. People yeah. are doing the movies the way you want <clears throat> to make them, just not here. Right. Completely, know? and um, they will respond to them here if they're made. That's yeah. the other thing that yeah. I feel like I realized, where it was like. People might, you know, feel like if you're just talking about it in a room, that they'll be like, "Yeah, motherfuckers ain't gonna watch that." But if you make that and people see it, then they're like, "Oh no!" Like I, I'm, I'm connected to this. Right. I feel like this is something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, and after that movie, like I had a, a bunch of meetings that were very complimentary about how we didn't talk about race mm-hmm. in in the film. That it was like there were people of color, but that wasn't involved right. in it but so much so to the fact that like now everything I'm thinking right. about is about rape because like right. it got to the point where it's like but what if I wanted to say yeah. something right. about that like, what you trying to say like, there'd be like thank you for not talking right. about race right. and I'm like well now I want to say fuck you and I'm like, everything about race <laughs> see that's, I'm, that's interesting you say that because I just constantly feel like it's really weird being a black filmmaker on that level because a lot of people who want to sign you and give you more work, they're re- you know they really want that black voice, but mm. they don't want the accusational, um, you know, subtext that comes from. I'm telling. They don't want to feel guilty. That right. is that's a, a, that has to deal with race, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I'm and I'm and I'm kind of like you want it both ways. Right. You mm-hmm. want a story that's a black story that can't be told by you know but you know but but by, by by your friends in Bel Air because we can make money off of that. But please don't let me you know like cringe and well, <laughs> don't drag me through the coals, please. Because you know it's funny because sometimes like, like sometimes the way sometimes the way certain actors say white people in movies makes me go, you're like so condemning them just by the tone of your voice right. that I know it's gonna make them cringe. Right. And sometimes that's and sometimes that's kind of gleeful to me. I'm like <laughs> because it's like you're so, it's cool you're so it's petty, Chris. <laughs> you're so petty. I love it. But but it's interesting that that, that, that that's the response you got. I, I'm I'm not surprised, but Yeah. Uh, so that's sort of where I'm looking to okay. next. Um, what, what happened with uh, Fuqua? How did well, that, how did so that early on, yeah. So, I mean, right when I graduated school, mm-hmm. I was, like, fortunate enough to work a little bit. Like, just did, like, an episode of Gossip Girl. And, right, right. and then was um, cast in Brooklyn's Finest, which mm-hmm. was, like, this really, yep. really incredible audition process because I hadn't really done shit. I was just starting. And Antoine... He just he saw something in me, and he we created a new character in the room. Really? He was like, yeah, he was like, what are you? You Puerto Rican? It was one of those things. Right, and right, I was right. like, sure. Man. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, all right. And he goes boom, 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 and like knocks on the door in the audition room, brings in like his assistant. He's like, set up a thing with with uh, with my writing partner because I want to write I want to write him into this movie. What? And so he had combined a couple characters to be part of Ethan Hawke's story. Right. Wait, let me ask you what. 
what were you, because as the actors who are listening to this, like, how do you go to an audition? And yes. the director says, we're going to write, like, what was you wearing? Was you smelling good? Did, what, did, I was what did wearing you, what a ha- hoodie, like, I was wearing like, what, nothing. What, what do you think I try to recreate that every time. Okay. <laughs> like, I try to be like, what was I wearing? What was my right, cologne? Because right, maybe right. that's the thing. No, or or just, just something authentic in you, and it just came out. I think, you know, that, that, that's the thing with, with acting and auditions. Like, as long as you've done all your work, then then the rest is up to just some kind of fate. Really. I mean, Where, it's like, as I always tell everybody, we talked about this many times, you go on an audition, your job, I always encourage young actors, motherfuckers, to go on the, go on the audition and shine. Do your best fucking audition, right. period. Because yeah. what you don't know is... You, you might, might be the part We're of this, sitting there going... Making something else. Not yeah. right for this. Mm-hmm. But damn, we got episode six. Mm-hmm. They would be perfect for it. Right. Nine well, times yeah. out of ten, we're looking way ahead of than you are. Right. And, you and that, was mean? The thing, that was the thing with Antoine. Well, well, first I got out of that audition and just cried on the streets right. of New York. Because I was like, I can't believe that it just happened. I mean, training day was like a friend right. of mine. Right. And, and working in the room with him was really... We're really great. He's one of those guys where he's such an actor's director and can say so little, but you can feel so free. Where he's just right. like, just do it again. And like you're like empowered. Right. You know, like just by that simple statement. Um, but afterwards when we were when we were working, he was like he started talking to me about Pablo Escobar and how mm. that was his next movie. And right. I was like, all right. And he was like yeah, you know, you kind of, you know, you're, I kind of want to do it around like when he was your age. And I was like, all right. What do you <laughs> like, what you hitting on? Yeah. And then basically <laughs> was talking to me about how like he brought me on for this movie to see if I could be consistent for this next Interesting, thing. Interesting, right. And like, you know, I was obviously, I was like 23 years old. Right. I was like, I'm going to get an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Just stupid, like you know. No, crazy. you put no, you right. put it out into the universe. Yeah, the spirit award, independent spirit. No, <laughs> Whatever, teen choice, man, teen choice. And you know, of course, that did not pan out. And that was like for for a young actor like myself, that was confusing, right. and that was um, sort of what led me to doing the short mm-hmm. about a guy who like thinks that the only way to be a man is to become Pablo Escobar. So it was like, you know, it was like of all people. Yeah. <laughs> it's very 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 odd, but um but that helped that helped me kind of through that mm-hmm. period because that was something Cuz you got to play him though. Right. Yeah, in right. a way. Right. I mean, I got to play myself dealing with not playing him. Okay. Is really what okay. it was, right. you know. And so, and and that's you know, what work is for, right? To kind of move through the right. through the questions that we have right. that we can't answer, and um, to kind of pose more of them as we uh, go through it. I got. I want to ask you a question. You mentioned that he thought you were Puerto Rican. Did you confess? Does that happen? <laughs> well, then I mean, there were times then when he was like, he asked me again on set. He was like Puerto Rican, right? No, Dominican. Like, yeah, he was like Puerto Rican today, Colombian tomorrow, and like walked away. Like he was very cryptic like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but like, is that something that happens a lot in auditions for you? I mean, I go out like fifty percent of the stuff I'm going out for. I'm also uh, right now on the show Snowfall, playing okay, a Colombian. Right. That's my show. Playing a Colombian gangster, and it's, I'm speaking. Pretty much entirely in Spanish, yeah, with like a very specific Cali accent. Mm. Um, does that happen a lot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of fucked up for me? Sure. I mean, I think like everybody has their own wrestling with identity and who they are, and you know, just being in America and being black in America. There's so many different forms. Like the spectrum is so wide of how we move through it. You know. Um, well, I, I bring it up because it's kind of an interesting thing. I was having this discussion last night. We were watching Justice League, and 
it's kind of like it's kind of like a weird thing where a lot of times, you, you know, there's kind of this reverse thing that goes on. You know, like like you typically see a lot of light skinned black women get cast, but you don't see like a lot of like you know, like you know like light skinned black men get cast. No. And it's just like a weird. That's kind of, so true. It's, no, it, I never see. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic. Well, it's shifted. Know? It used to be all light skinned brothers. Now it's like all. Well, dark yeah, skin it comes yeah. in waves. Yeah, right. but it's but 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 uh, you know, I have my theory about. Uh, What's the theory? <laughs> Tell it. I know he be like dropping uh, stuff yeah. and acting like he gonna he walk away from it. Theory for Are we in the light skin cycle now? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, because no. like, let's not go down no, the path this, of this like personal shit right here. About what? What was us light skin brothers? <laughs> no, no, it's no like so. I, okay, it's just this theory that I was, you know, there's this really interesting book called um, American Skin, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how there was a moment in like the mid '70s where they uh, 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 there was a, a Coke commercial with Mean Joe Green, right? And this is white kid walking down the hall. And he throws the jersey. And he throws the oh, jersey. Oh, right, right, right. And, 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 and <clears throat> it's it like basically that, that, that was one of the first commercials that kind of like, that kind of made white America feel comfortable around the threatening black man. Wow. Mm. And it kind of like progressed, talked about like, like, you know, this stuff happened in dark age and stuff like that. And this guy pointed out there was this big shift in the in the early nineties and it was, and he couldn't kind of put it in perspective. And I was like, it's that Janet Jackson video. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like like that kind of changed the way we Which one? See, <laughs> the There's one? a lot of Janet Jackson videos. <laughs> I want to make sure the audience know the babies who don't know Janet Jackson. Okay, the one with YouTube it. It's the one with Jivan Hansu in it. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Love yeah, would never yeah. do no, without no, you. Black and yeah, white everything yeah. like that. And it was like that kind of like you know and like that kind of shifted to what you would see in terms of what's in the movies and things like that, and I was like, That's, it was interesting. So I started like just watching what 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 you would see, mm. you know, like like who gets cast and what, and, and who doesn't get cast and what, and things like that. And I, you know, when I hear it a lot more because when we were doing Bloom, mm-hmm. there was this whole <clears throat> battle, this whole battle about in the casting process about okay, so this is the guy who we have as the lead, and the producers were like. We can't have a light-skinned woman be um, on the love interest. Hmm. And, and I was like, but what if that's the best actress? And then he was like, well, my girlfriend and everyone else was reading the script and were like, don't want to be light-skinned. Just off the rip on the page. And I was kind of like, wait, 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 wait. That's not even justified. I was like, can we get the best actress? Right. You know, and it just kind of like sparked my theory again. And I haven't had a chance to talk with um, um, any... Light skinned male actors to see, you know, to, to see what their experience is. And it's interesting you tell me that you were playing the Colombian guy in Snowfall. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. I mean, you know, for Insecure, like, I was like, no way are they going to cast me for mm. this. You what know was what that mean? audition process like? And, uh, grueling. Shout out to Issa and Amy he and Dan grueling. and all them over Issa there. Issa was not playing it. And they <laughs> was like trying to make sure they cast this. Like, exactly. no. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know Issa. I was kind of. Uh, to be to be honest, like I, I was aware of um, Awkward Black Girl, but mm-hmm. I hadn't like watched it thoroughly. Right. And this was just an audition that came through. I mean, I had heard about the show, obviously that they were starting to do. I had known Prentice Penny, who's the showrunner. Right. Yeah, I did cool. like I did like half a day co-star on his show that he had on Fuse. Oh, right, um, right. That also uh, Ilan, who plays Daniel, mm-hmm. was in um, this show called Brooklyn's Finest. No, that was the rap group. No, the oh. hustle. The show's called the hustle. Right, 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 right. 
Anyway, so yeah. That was, was his just, first showrunner gig. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. his very first one. Right. Yeah. And um, so I had originally auditioned for Lawrence and like never heard anything back. Oh, you really auditioned? Really? Yeah, first auditioned okay. for Lawrence. And right. then when they, were, when they got picked up and they were auditioned for the show, I first went in for, um, for Chad, for the Chad character. Really? Yeah, and that um, was great. I mean, I feel like I am cast a lot of like just kind of like assholes, you know? <laughs> People, <laughs> yeah, like kind of bougie assholes. That's bougie, right? yeah. You know, yeah. like it's my upbringing, it's how right. I look, whatever. And, um, and so then they were basically like, yeah, you're not quite right for Chad, but you might be right for Derek. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, they, they said Derek was bougie, but I still thought he was like, you know, I'm a little, I felt messier mm-hmm. than, than what he felt like on the page. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was just like, all right, we're just going to go do this. And um, I've, I'd first had a callback, I think, with Chad, actually, and Issa and all mm-hmm. them. And then it was basically three more auditions as Derek going wow. in. The room just kind of grew, like, you know, then Melina was in the room, and mm-hmm. Prentice was in the room, mm-hmm. and then HBO's execs were in the room. And then finally we did, like, um, like a mix and match situation mm-hmm. where it was down to like me and another guy is what my agents told me. But then all of a sudden there was another dude that like showed really? up and I was like, what's this dude doing here? I'm already nervous. <laughs> okay. And like, you know, and these other dudes look like, I was like, yeah, I'd probably cast him if I was that. Right. You know, I just mm-hmm. felt like that. He had a bow tie on. We've all done inside. that. Yeah. We've all done that. Yeah. <laughs> just boat. immediately. He had a bow tie. Yeah, right. a bow tie. <laughs> Coming in looking like Nation he, of Islam. He looks like the character, okay. right? Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, but Amanda Seals was there and I remember she, she was like, I would like when I get nervous, I kind of like talk a lot and I'm just right. like silly and weird. And she mm-hmm. was like, the fuck are you doing? She like said that to me one time. Really? And I was like, I don't know, just talking. <laughs> Wait, you're just sitting there and then she says that to you. No, I was like, I was weird. running my mouth, okay. like trying to like fill space. Okay. Right? You know what I mean? Because right. I was nervous. Right. And then she basically was just like, stop type right. shit. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, all right, cool. Like, it's okay to just stop. And so then we went in for these like mix and match. They brought the first dude in. They brought they brought the random dude and me in. And so they like, you know, brought us over in a golf cart. We're on the Sony lot. And I was supposed to go in first. And I was like, all right, good. And then they're like, all right, we're going to bring you in first. And I was like, damn. Mm. So now I'm like sitting outside and I'm just like waiting, uh, listening. The, the infamous wait. He's in there oh, for a man. little bit. And then he comes out and like he like he's like like a little sweaty and like kind of looks at me. He's like, that went well. And yeah. I was like. Good man, right. <laughs> like, I'm happy for you. Right. So then I go in there, and everyone's in, and um, and then they basically start bringing in like three different girls. So they they brought in actually Robin Thede, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know who has her show now. There's another another woman, um, and Amanda, and they just brought it in, and it was like it was very quick. And so I thought for sure, like. I'm finished. Right. Then they like sent me home mm-hmm. and like Amanda and the dude with the bow tie was there. I was mm-hmm. like, they're going to cast him. Right. Went home that weekend. And I was like, well, that was a great experience, but you know, it's not going to go any further. And then here we are two years later. They say, I was listening to uh, a podcast the other day. I forget what they were talking about, but they were talking about our industry being an actor in particular is the only industry where you witness seeing the person get the job over you. Like, right. you'll be at the audition, you'll and then you'll is. turn on the TV, and the guy you were standing next to is the one who got the part. Yeah. Usually when you, when you go to a job interview, you never see who gets the job. Oh, yeah, because you don't get to <laughs> you know walk what I mean? up yeah. in their office exactly. and say, hey, that's exactly. my cubicle right. you're sitting in. <laughs> what the fuck? You know? That's my right. password. You know, you're not, you're not. And they don't really tell you no to your face right. in any what other is, kind well, of way. You feel that. 
But no one says you know in his business ever. That's what's, you know, <laughs> yeah, they really true. don't like you. They say yes, <laughs> even if they mean nothing. Yeah. Well, actually, I've been thinking about this a lot, though, and I think, like, being an actor is kind of incredible for life because, you know, you have to, you have to, Bring yourself to this situation, and right. you have to be so open and vulnerable. Right. Mm. And then they will say, "No, you're not good enough for <laughs> for a myriad of reasons." Right. You know, yeah. and it, it might not have anything to do with you, but it's still to your face, and it's it hurts because you've put everything into this three minute situation. You know that but, that's but, about to go on. But let me ask you a question though, because <clears throat> people always ask me, "Oh, here you still have a really good look. Why aren't you acting anymore?" And I'm like, yeah. "Oh, no, 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 no." I was like, "But if I was acting, I'd be booking all the time." Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean. Having sat in hundreds of casting sessions now as a producer, yeah, the things that I see that people do wrong, right. I just feel like I'd be on such a different level as an actor now. Mm-hmm. To have you notice the same thing from 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 producing your own things and, and sitting in, I casting still haven't sessions. quite figured it out. To okay. be honest, no, I don't. I mean, I didn't have a traditional casting process for French Dirty. Like it was right. basically friends, right. Um, and my now fiance. So it was just like we we literally just got the people together that we loved and made it. Right. Um, but when it but but as far as the tools for life, which I think it has prepared me better for, is like you know in life you get knocked down constantly. Yeah. And our job is to basically stand stand back up with an open heart and an open mind and be able to be vulnerable and be able to like receive that again. Yeah. Right. And as an actor, that's what you have to do. It doesn't matter how many times someone has told you no to your face. You have to come back to that room again and say. I'm here, I'm excited, like, right. I'm ready, like, I, right. I, I'll take it again, mm-hmm. you know, and not close yourself off. Right. And so I, I've just been thinking about that lately, and I feel like that while we may not have, uh, you know, any kind of, like, artisan ability, but, like, we do have this preparation for life in the sense that it's, like, you get knocked down and you got to get back up, and that's pretty much it. Well, that's an interesting point, because that level of perseverance... I think the perseverance for an actor is maybe it has to be the highest for anybody out here, I mm. think, because you there's a churn there's a there's a higher churn for for the rate that you could that you could be told no. You know, you're writing you're writing. Maybe you're told no like three times a year. Maybe. Right. But as an actor you might be told like three times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, every day, mm. and that is like—I mm. uh, mean, it's a testament to how, you know, like you said, in terms of prepare for life, in terms of like, what's your mental game? Like, yeah, because it can ruin you if you think like you said this this thing. I mean, you're close. You've been in two or three rooms. They're bringing you in. All this <laughs> kind of stuff get closer, closer, and then if they were like. Nah, you know, way we're not going with you, and you'd be like, "Fuck!" Because I spent a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. I was invested, in, and you were kind of like seeing it. Because at a certain point, you start seeing it. You know, start seeing what's going to be like. You start stepping like, into the room, right. got your foot in there, yeah. and then they're like, "Right, right, right." So, uh, I, I, mean, I, I mean, now like, you, now you, you come, you come in. <laughs> so to me, it's like I really have such. Uh, I just empathy for actors, yeah. like just on that level. Like besides what you have to do for the crap, just to get where you are. And I think what's interesting about you know your character because I've only seen the first season, but I watched the whole thing in one day because I was like so fascinated by it. Nice. Um, well, they totally stepped you up season two though, season for sure. Two. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, I just had to find a time because it took me a long time, just time wise, to find the first to find to watch the first season. And as though test, I never binge watch shit. Mm-hmm. I usually <laughs> want to like space it out. But I was like, I need to know more. But it's interesting because you know your character had an interesting presence 
in the mo- the series that mm-hmm. for the first season. It was you, you, like you wouldn't in every episode, everything like that. Yeah. But but it but it kind of goes back to what I always tell people all the time. It's like there's no small decisions right. that you do for trying to put your vision together. You know. Right. And I think the scenes that you come in. They're so, I mean, and you're so specific. Right. Yeah. You know, and meeting you now, like, you're not really that dude, but it's cool right. to see how you were <laughs> like, I'm just going to transform into this right here at this moment, at this time, and to make those scenes, like, burn, you right. know? Because they really stood out to me as someone who had watched it, and then when I met you the other night, I was like, oh, shit, that's the guy, right. you know? Um, no, think, people never know it's me, really. I mean, I right, guess after, we were sitting talking for like thirty minutes. I was like, "Oh shit, that yeah. is you, right?" I think after the second <laughs> season, a little yeah. bit more, but most of the time, like we were even doing, we were doing like a Facebook Live interview, me and Yvonne, mm-hmm. who plays Molly, afterwards, and like the dude who had just seen the entire show was like, "Hey, nice to meet you. What's going on? Are you on crew or whatever?" And I was like, <laughs> oh, I, was like "I was like, oh no, man, I play, um, I play Derek on the show." And he like, "That is such a Derek moment, right. like Derek. That's such a Derek moment." Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it, it is. It's interesting, like that. But but Issa does have a vision. Issa and and Prentice right. and Melina. You know, I, I've it's been pretty incredible to witness. Um, what what they've been doing? You're on a hot fucking show, dude. I, I mean, know, I feel lucky. everybody's talking about it. It's made fucking you know to watch Yvonne and all those cats just blow yeah. up. You know, yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's you're in the right spot. You're well, in the right spot. You know what? There was a, I I see I think one or two episodes of season two, mm-hmm. but I think you guys have a different cinematographer, right? That you have we do, first yeah. Run. And it's like it's so apparent, like what she brings <clears throat> to the to, you know just. Just two episodes, like how different it looks and how it kind of like it. Like the first season was good. I'm not yeah. saying anything bad, but there's like a more kind of like cinematic um, or what? It? Well, it's it's just kind of like a um, a skewed view to right. a lot of the oh, shots, right? And the way Completely. the right. framing is and the way they like look at LA. It's like now it's the framing um, of it's it's helping to make not just the characters or the the actors. It's like it's making LA its own character too. Because right. I noticed yeah. that shift too. Because I've just finished up mm-hmm. the second season and. Um, this is what this Derek. is what we were talking yeah. about. We were talking about this offline. We were talking about um, Dr. Kilpatrick's new show, The Climb, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how much we're really hoping it gets picked up. Right. We all were at the premiere the other day at CAA, and we were talking about how we we. My hope, one of the things I'd love to see. I was born in Detroit. I know she really wants to give back to the city. Right now, there's a lot of shots of the city, but she didn't really go in the way I know she plans to. So that's why I'm really excited because then she could do what Issa and are doing, right? Yeah. And really show you LA or show you Detroit. You know what I mean? So that's completely, what, yeah. And I feel right. like what Issa, I've always been think, I've been thinking about how Issa is almost like this. <laughs> I don't know, shit like this, but it's basically like this black female Woody Allen. Oh, interesting. And especially in some of his... That's a compliment. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, That's a huge compliment. I think especially... Fuck whoever he is behind the scenes, on the screen and the way he writes, I get that. Well, and talking about the show visually, like, you know, like Manhattan, like um, Annie Hall, you know, he was using Gordon Willis, the Prince of Darkness. And there was a very, like, specific capturing of the image that Woody was very conscious of. And I think... Issa is doing the same thing in her collaboration with Melina that it's like yes this is like walk and talk and these are two friends just like blabbing about life and that's mm-hmm. what we're portraying but also we want to show what this city feels like to us right. you know like what it what it looks like but what it really feels like and that is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. like the city is beautiful see this is what's interesting about what they're doing on that show because LA we've seen it in so many movies right 
and a lot of TV shows. But you shows. ain't seen Black LA. But no, well, no. But the Black LA that we've seen in movies is it's like, not the real. It's like Boys in the Hood. Right. It's right. Like it's right. Hood Hood. It's the imaginary black. You know, completely like comic <laughs> book. Yeah, comic book. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see like here's like these these you know like professional black people. They're you know like they're striving for greatness in their personal lives and professional lives, and the show is showing us the city. In an interesting way, that's that it. it fe- that's the thing about LA. Like driving around a lot, I take photographs of the city in ways that it's like I've never seen this in a show. But this is a place we've been in a hundred shows, you know. Right. And I think that's that's what like. There's a shot where they're in the first season where Issa and Molly are like walking, they're like jogging somewhere, and it's mm-hmm. like at some park. And I was like, that's really fucking cool because you know I've not seen this park, but I or I have, but I mm-hmm. haven't seen a shot this way. And it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting you brought up Gordon Willis. Mm-hmm. It's a really fascinating. Uh, it's an American cinematographer article about his tribute, I guess, when he died. And, <coughs> what, and what he was saying when they were shooting Annie Hall, which is, I think, their first thing. Mm-hmm. He had, like, these ideas of how he wanted to shoot from coming from a comedy world. And, and Gordon Willis was like, no. <laughs> I'm, if you're shooting with me, I'm shooting with this lens this way, and this is how we're going to shoot your shit. Right. You fit into what I want. Right. And he was like, at first I didn't understand that, but then I understood that he knew how to help to let me be freer as right. the performer yeah. if he gave me that st- structure to work in. I just think that that's the kind of thing that allows, if, if you have that type of collaboration, it allows the work to kind of jump up in a way because Completely. the... The creator is like, like you said, Issa and this Woody Allen mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's a great, you know, I guess I'm going to say that in a second too. Um, it, it's because it she's able to like now mine what she wants to do as a performer, as a storyteller, to, to say things thematically that and she's not worrying about how it's going to look. And it's, but, but except it's going to look great right. every time. Yeah, know? that's and true. There's a really interesting article on the mic about... How it's shot, like it just, yeah, the, I read the that. way it's colored and the way right. black people are like. Yeah, put Ava on. Ava Bukowski, I think, is the cinematographer. Yeah, and it's like it's really, really. Uh, you know, is that what's the movie? Uh, D. Reese's film, the first one, Pariah. Pariah, Pariah yeah. See, see the guy Bradford Young does some cool net too. Right. Like, like, oh, Bradford is. Yes. He, he plays with the color. Hi, Bradford. That's what I noticed about 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 insecure. You allow the color to work because what's so fascinating about. Uh, the various shades of black people's skin. We never right. get to see us that gorgeous. It's, sure. Sure. I mean, like it, like it reflects color in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like the colors feel richer, yeah. always. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, so you get to play with the color spectrum if you want to. Right. Most people don't, but when you get a chance <laughs> to, it looks so it looks so cool. Like yeah. visually, it looks more of a painting than almost anything. You know. Mm-hmm. And I think part of this new this new renaissance of of black artists who are creating some great stuff. Um, the sister who's doing chewing gum over in England. Oh yeah, Michaela. Yes, um, Michaela Cole. Yeah. Hi, Mika- hey. And she's getting a third season, by the way. So oh, you know, so I'm on it. Really? She, she's she's been real busy. Mm-hmm. I've been praying and putting out offerings to the spirits <laughs> to at least give me a third season. If you can right. give me three seasons, I'll be happy. But you I come understand. to LA, girl. Come I on, I understand. Show. Like she's working, she's writing. Right. It's hard because she's writing everything by herself. Shoot. But I keep thinking about too Atlanta. Right. You know the, how they're. It's just kind of like black people now. They're just creating like their own distinct. This is my story in my right. place in my spot, and I feel like I'm comfortable. I feel like if I was to go to England, I would feel very comfortable there. I feel like mm-hmm. if I go to Atlanta and hang around where Darius and all those characters right. hang out, I feel like I know this place. <laughs> the same 
same with Insecure because like I see my they were in my Ethiopian restaurant in the first <laughs> yeah, season. I didn't appreciate that. I was like, please don't show the name of it because you know every black person named Mama <laughs> gonna come in there. Listen, listen, <laughs> little Ethiopia, that's my spot over there. Like, don't be going over there and crowding up the parking. It's bad enough <laughs> trying to get parking. There's yeah. no parking there. At Ain't all. no parking. Yeah, Look, and they gonna Uber. have people. Listen, lift. Lamert Park, you got yeah. a whole like you know going by my old neighborhood because I used to live I used to live off of like Forty Eighth and Crenshaw between Fifth and Fourth, <laughs> and I was up the street from Dawas. You know the Muslim people selling the oils and stuff. <laughs> and what I also love about Insecure is the idea of how fluid the black people move between the classes, yeah. because you've got like the Baldwin Hills type mm-hmm. black folk mm-hmm. hanging out with us. Lamert Park working right. class. Yeah, we got some cousins that might be in jail on the corner, and but we got some college and grads. Issa's job makes her go into the yes. hood. Into the, I love but, that. See, okay, that's yeah. a point about because that that's something I feel black people in general are able to do you know it's like it like it doesn't matter unless you're real bougie the bougie black folk well <laughs> you know who you is but I feel like there's a, I feel like that that spectrum you just in Martha's Vineyard yeah look, <laughs> hey yeah but if you walk up to them and, and give them the head nod they would acknowledge you. I think the and white if, people if don't the right, acknowledge If you the right fraternities and sororities, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's if some of us pass the paper bag test for some of the old folks <laughs> and the comb test, damn. <laughs> look, I will drag everybody. I don't care. Black folk, get it together. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I, just like saying, really I just think that's a good thing because I feel that's, I mean, because that's real. I think right. like black people don't have that kind of like barrier. We got six degrees of poverty. You know like you, like, like yeah. yes, because because someone who's really really poor can't talk to you if you're black from anything else in life. I, I like white people see someone who's homeless and they like, is that person a is there is there a ghost talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> I hear a voice but There's lies in here so that's that's right. Right. But I don't see anybody It's interesting Well like I said It's that whole idea of class And, and even within black families And I think Insecure Does a really good job of that Because you've got Molly's character Who you know They live like Working class They don't own their home right. You know They're probably lower Or middle middle class folk And she's Making a little bit more, live a little bit nicer, but it's all within the same. Like she can go to the family cookout, and then you have the neighborhood folks who are right. there, and it's no like, oh, I can't hang around you guys anymore. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is, and I don't think a lot of shows that have quote unquote black characters, we don't get to see that. We have to code switch in everything we do, and everything, <laughs> you know. It's yeah. Right. So I mean, so here's here's the real dirt we need okay, to know, here sir. Here we go. T. <clears throat> I know you can't tell us. <laughs> I don't even know what I could tell you. <laughs> now, if now I'm, I'm speaking to you as if you are Derek. Please. <laughs> Derek, is that your baby? <laughs> Do you feel when your heart is yours? That's my baby. <laughs> That's 100% my baby. Okay. Are you going to stay? What, I mean... <laughs> should I stay? I should I go now? <laughs> no, I love my wife. I love my wife very much with every fiber of my being. And I, you know, if I would step out and say... Not step out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, step step out. Step out. don't step out. No, no. I'm just saying like, you know, we come from a... We come from... A situation where we do have to keep up a certain set of airs. And so we don't like people talking about our business. And we don't the, like to talk about Derek, our business. But Derek, Derek, right? if the DNA comes out, are you going to have to maintain that facade? Because you guys are representing like the successful black couple who that seem works. to got it together that right. works. Mm-hmm. And everybody from the outside is looking in at this. And they're thinking, like, you guys are going to crush a lot of people. This don't work out. So how are you, you going to handle this, sir? <laughs> you better not talk with 23 and Me. About <laughs> no, I think... Um, as Derek now. Yeah, as Derek. We are true to each other. <laughs> we are true to the outside world. 
but the outside world can go fuck themselves. Mm. Because the truth of the matter is, our business is our business, and whatever is going on is between us. I don't know the future. I don't know what's, what's going to happen, but I do know that we've been through some things that are for us and us alone. And if we choose to discuss it or not choose to discuss it, you know, that will also be up to us. All right, fam. You heard that from Derek <laughs> from Insecure. We'll see what happens next season. This might, this, might, this might blow up in his face. But I'm going to pray for y'all. Pray I'm going to pray for y'all. Because Derek's character is Because so, the writers listen, are in the room listen, right now getting it in. Because so, I always got, like, I like all the guy characters. But Derek. The like, like start production on They that. just started writing. They just started writing. Yeah, they just okay. started writing. So you guys writing. are probably going to be filming for a few not yet, probably okay. not till earliest February, February right. March. Because I love all the characters, and I love how messy they are. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we have black shows where it's like you have to show perfections, and I know a lot of people get upset because um, we're airing a lot of stuff. Because I remember, and I know you remember this too, because people went in on Twitter when Issa's character. Now we're going to get this is like this is like Twitter after dark, y'all. So <laughs> be gather careful, around. be careful, gather around, grown folk only. <laughs> so I mean, there was like. I don't know if you guys were catching up with this, oh, but yeah. there was the episode where where Issa, the whole oral sex thing mm-hmm. and the whole, her reaction. <laughs> uh, now here, now it. there was a, j- hear, okay, close your ears. I can't hear. Now here's what, and this, is, and this is where I realized there's <laughs> right. a generational gap because I'm grown. Right, I agree. I and, agree. but I'm grown, I'm from the, the freaky grown people. <laughs> right. So you would embrace the moment. All so, you know, that the old song, <laughs> the freaks come out at night. Yeah. I was the one driving the freaks to go to where we need to go. So it was like interesting to watch how that Issa's character, right. okay, was reacting to the situation. Right. For those of you who haven't seen the show, if you haven't seen it, shame on you. Um, <laughs> and I just remembered how people were just going in like, how dare you? Like they were not only talking about that, the whole right. her reaction to oral sex, like, girl, right. you need to grow up. Right. And I remember I was one of those people like, yeah, because I mean, I watched it. I'm like. What? Right. How do you not enjoy oral sex and like, and everything, the, all the gifts that come everything with it? Everything that comes with it. <laughs> the gifts, the blessings. The blessings. The blessings that will rain down. <laughs> and I didn't get that. And I had to step out. I'm like, you know what? There are people who aren't comfortable with that. And right. I have to like step back and let people do themselves. But I remember I was like really testy. I'm like, bitch, mm-hmm. girl up. Mm-hmm. I was like saying that. See, okay, well, see, this is the interesting thing. This is kind of an outside thing, but... So, you know, like you don't know what people's experience is on another thing as to why they're uncomfortable with that. You don't know what is, you know, has happened to them to make them feel... I understand that. There could know. be some trauma, could be some yeah. other things I going on. I also think, and this isn't really explored in the show, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Issa's father is from Senegal. Okay, right. Like w- one of her parents is, and I think she even spent a they're lot Nigerian, of time... Nigerian, right? No, I th- I think I, th- I think Issa is is Senegalese. Okay. Yvonne is Nigerian. Okay, right, Yvonne right, right. is born in Nigeria. I knew it was one of them, right. But it's a really interesting <clears throat> thing because they both are first generation right. in the source, which is which is different from exactly. Black American. You right. know, oh, they are true African American, well, and I think right. like there's probably so is Amy. So Amy is probably something there. Amy as well, so it's not really discussed. But that might be something that has kind of and I think and I think that's something because that was part of the conversation. Yeah, and so some of the conversations I was going around there. Like I said, I had to like step back right. and really look at that. Like everybody experiences different, and so. But I remember they were dragging. I remember they were dragging the show because just it was a gentle drag. It wasn't like we mad. It was like an observation, mm-hmm. and it got into a little heated convo about the condoms. Right. right. And I was like, y'all don't criticize the other shows that None don't show them. that. And we know that this is like fantasy. Right. And I, if y'all was observant, and maybe some people aren't, like right. I, I, saw I saw it on the thing. table. I saw yeah. it. 
And I figured these is grown right. folk, and grown folk will do what grown folk right. do. And but it was like people was just so, and but that what that told me is they connected with the show right. so tight. Of course, well, that they, they just see themselves. That. Right. Right. It's like yes. when we used to go over to people's houses and like, mm-hmm. like mom was like, "Don't ever ask for no food over there. Don't embarrass us. Don't make us feel like don't go upstairs right. and don't ever ask for any food over there because I don't want any mother motherfuckers think that Thinking you ain't got, you food, ain't got in the food in the house. house. Right. So like things mm-hmm. like that is like be very be very clear about what what we're putting forward. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting with with the third season, like what you guys come up with because it's like really brought out a lot of conversations that have been interesting and it's like in terms of who's fault for the relationship with Lawrence and Issa's character like you know and it's like you know what they both messy people they both messed up but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they don't love each other and it's like to me it's like that's real mm-hmm. and well, people are acting it's like it's one of oh, the most real have. shows and it's like that's how people like, are well, yeah, timing yes. yeah because yes. people you know like I think we're so so uh, used to seeing shows where the relationship gets solved right. or it's never solved and it's purposely never solved. You know, like that crap in Friends or it's like, are they ever going to get together? Right. Like, right. Well, the fuck? Like, you know, after like two, three years of some shit, you let that fuck, you know, what is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they, live, they live right next door. Salty about Friends. Just, just, just um, <clears throat> you know what? I remember you telling me about the thing with the condom. And I was wondering, is 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 the concern over uh, your the STDs, AIDS? Or I think it, it's or, just or, the, or just the I think it's just the idea of of and it, this all this always happens right. when black people get something good, right? And because it's Tell one it. of the few things that we get to see, Tell it. it it becomes magnified more than it would if it's just a regular typical white show. Right. Okay, so it's kind of like it's and it's unfair to to insecure. It's unfair to chewing. It's unfair to Atlanta. All those shows yeah. where people are like, it has to be perfect and have a good reputation. Right. Has to be respectable. It does not have to be, and we right. have to get done with that. But the thing is, they were worried about. Well, what about young people who are watching this? We have a responsibility to like show young people that you know they don't want to get sexual. I'm like, it is fantasy. Right. It is fictional. It's heightened. You need to handle that yeah. at or your is own it house. Not? Or right. is it real? Well, like, it's real is it, to I mean, me. Well, because I'm saying. You know, it'd be interesting story. And it might be a conversation for you, you know, to have a home with yours. The, the morning after pill could yeah. be could be an episode or could be a part of an episode. Like, well, I sure. did that. Or if you're going to get the STD, get someone STD and deal with that. You know, because right. that doesn't get dealt with a lot in yeah, shows th- either. And it I think all, it'd be interesting to see. It's very much in the conversation of not sullying our heroes. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. even like you know Dr. King, like Martin Luther King. I feel like there was a version of. Selma that went around earlier where it like opened and right. Martin was doing some right. shit that none of us wanted to right. and none you know of what us that, wanted to and nobody you know wants to show it because no, no, he's you know, like right. the only one no, we right. have but you know what it did it made me respect and love him more one of yeah. the things I can't stand is I can't stand perfect heroes. Right. Right. I love people because what it does is when you're a perfect hero, what it says to me is I will never be able to attain or or reach that height or do that. Agreed. But when they started talking, when I started learning about the messy part of Martin Mm -hmm. Luther King, hallelujah. It's like when uh, Martin Scorsese finally did the version of... um, Last Temptation. Last Temptation of Christ. Right. Right. It made me respect Jesus more. Fictional movie (laughs) about Jesus having some issues and showing the real temptation. It made that whole thing of Jesus, it made it more accessible to me. Because when, you got, when you've been growing up in the black church, right. and you got to be like Jesus, and you got to be perfect, like I couldn't stand Jesus, because no matter what I was going to do, I was going to hell. So I had made my peace, like Jesus, we just not going to meet. And right. now you yourself can feel like you yes. could do right. too good but like, when I saw, make miracles. Yes, but when I saw the last temptation of Christ, like Christ having a 
in love and marriage and having sex and having kids. Mm-hmm. It just made me feel like, oh Jesus, I can be I can be a good person and strive for the best and still be messy and be and, and embrace my imperfections. So I respect insecure for having these messy right. Striving, mm-hmm. trying to do something, and still fucking up black people right. because we have too many shows that try to show us being perfect. Even even the and language they don't work for me. Even the language of insecure is real to me. That's m- probably my favorite thing. They talk like girls, like you and I talk. And it was funny <laughs> you know because I mean? the first episode they talk when I saw like it, girls talk, no, no, listen, that's real shit. The first they episode, draw a bitch, like it's hey, listen, but that's how they talk. Listen. And that's <laughs> how we talk. I was, yeah. I was uncomfortable. Like I when I first saw the first episode, my first reaction like, damn, make us way too much on the show. <laughs> And then I had to stop myself, like, but that's how we, we talk. talk. We talk. Damn, they right. like way too and fucking much like on the show. Right. And I felt like y'all done put a camera in my conversations, right. you know, and I'm just like, oh, I would hate to have somebody. Bitch comes up Listen. every other word. God and there's it. some people <laughs> right. who are uncomfortable with that. And you know what? Oh, well. Right. These are this, this is these characters' reality, and that's just how it is. They can watch. Yeah. Shit on and our I think because we're so used to seeing black characters either be Muhammad Ali or Precious. Right. You know, it's There's like next, you're the greatest yeah. of all time, right. or you're just down. Right. You're right. as downtrodden there as ain't it no gets. middle ground. There's no yeah, middle and ground. I think that's what she created. Where it's like it's okay to be black and insecure. It's okay to not, you know, to not know what you want or to fuck up or to not be great and, or to, and to not just be like some gangster, right. hood, drug dealer, whatever. And it's like, okay to be a nerd, areas. which is one of the things yeah. I love the most, too. Yeah, completely. You know? Shit. Well, well, see, I mean, look, that's, that, I mean, that's a really good point about it's okay to be the full spectrum of what right. we are because that's one of the things that um, we don't see. Mm-hmm. On, t- on, on the films and stuff like Which that. Which is our full humanity. We don't get to see <clears throat> yeah, all of us I mean, in our, yeah, our 3D-ness. We have a question. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Uh, Mr. Greg Wright wants to know, do black, black women friends really talk like that to one another? Yes. Question mark. Mm-hmm. We need to repeat the question. To each other. Wait, say the first one again. So the, first the first question was... Do we really talk to each other like that in second... I don't really think is a question, uh, but it states they are mean as hell to each other. I don't okay. think of it as being mean. Let's, let's tell the people what the question was, and then let's... Oh, you tell them what the question is. All right, so the first question was, do black women really talk yes. like that? Right? And then the second one was what? Do their friends, or black women, and, you know, and friends... All right, he's saying because they're mean as hell to each <clears throat> other. Right, because they're the mean way to he each sees other. It. The way he sees it. All right, no, so we're getting a question. Oh, right. reference to the show. The reference yeah. to the show. The, the show. You know, as a as a black woman, <laughs> I will say that some of the most raunchiest, craziest <clears throat> conversation I've had have always been with women. Black men always, and not just black men, men in general always think that they have like, oh, our potty mouths and all that. You right. have nothing on women, <laughs> and I can only speak from from perspective of black we, women. We don't. We talk. <laughs> Listen, when I was at my lo- when I was in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and y'all know they went, they went and did their listen, real girls trip. Listen, <laughs> I, if you had a tape recorder and you would have listened to some of the things that we said, mm-hmm. that was just off, and it was fun. And to the outsiders, it may seem mean, like you know, bitch, pop, chick, come on, what? A-? And it would look like me. It's just that animated, that joy. That's just that. That's just what it is. Not all black women speak like that. I have some who are like very conservative, who I have to watch my mouth when I'm around. Um, it just depends on the relationship, but I will tell you, yes, there are black women who talk like that. I'll tell you this: right. like fifteen <clears throat> years ago, my brother and I did. I sold this reality show to Fox, right. and we wanted to do this thing where uh, this is prior to the barbershop movie. Right. Um, we wanted to do this, this, this. What is it like in the barbershop and in the beauty salon? Mm-hmm. So we're doing this thing where we would say, you know, there's always these great conversations in the male 
in the barbershop. So we would just go there and we throw questions out about popular culture shit, blah, 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 and see how, right. see how the men would react and what they would say. And then the other half of the show was similar questions at a beauty salon. Mm. And the women would just say shit that's, you know, like for the first maybe hour, they were where the camera was on. Right. But then once they were like, okay, whatever, whatever the camera, like some real shit was coming out. Mm. And the cameraman guys, we were like, Oh, this is how women talk? Oh, yes. shit. Yeah. And right. that's, like Especially I said, it's not at the beauty salon right, right. where, where it's safe. It's, yeah, where it's safe. Right. Where it's exactly. safe. And, and there's, like, yeah, there's oh, a convert. Shit. Not all women do. Like I said, I have some of my friends who are very conservative who I, like, I'm a master of code switching. I will have right. to code switch and watch what I say around them. There's just, there's just those particular sets. And I do have a set mm-hmm. who, man... They're like the besties of the besties, and there's no hiding, yeah, and the language love, is there. Right. I think it's also um, important to note that we're catching these women at a very specific time yes, in their life. Correct, They're very correct. transitional, you know, more so than other times. We're always transitional, but I think both Issa and Molly are in a place where their friendship is kind of getting tested, even though they are so there for each other. Mm-hmm. And so part of the, like, quote-unquote meanness that you may be seeing happens in any kind of relationship when two people are in these transitional phases and are like, oh, maybe we're not as lined up as we've always been and they're trying to figure that out. Right. Right. And there's different shows that have shown different types of black female relationships. I'm thinking about um, Girlfriends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How um, even though Girlfriends was on a, a Regular right. cable show, we, they couldn't do the cussing. I'm sure they right. would have had more cussing and would have had more of the stuff right. on there. If it was single camera, if it was single camera, and it was like <clears throat> right. you know, right. paper, please. That that show would have been. <laughs> it already was you know iconic anyway, right. but it's like it would have been bigger. I think of living single, yeah. you know, especially with Max's character, who mm-hmm. I love. I think mm-hmm. Max is one of the first black female characters who one had sexual agency and was mm-hmm. unapologetic about it. Slept with whoever she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Talked about men like men talk about women, mm-hmm. and it was just so revolutionary. I mean, like I didn't. I mean, all the other characters on there were okay, but Max was like had her own apartment. Right. She wasn't roommate. Please, roommate with who? You know, and it was just great. And so we've evolved. So I think what we're seeing now is you're getting the first time of actually seeing a black woman created show right. with black women. You know, directing and creating the content. I think it's the first time people are actually seeing like, oh, this is how these sisters really talk. And you mm-hmm. know, it's just one depiction. There's others. I mean, I'm sure when I see um, Chewing Gum and a couple other shows that come out that have black female characters, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. And I think it's just so brand new to people that it might rub some people the wrong way. Yeah, I wonder if you would ask that if you were seeing, like, you know, Italian dudes busting each other's balls or whatever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Would that be a question of are they being mean to each other? Because I think it's a version of that where it's like busting each other's balls. And we're not accustomed to that. We're not accustomed to seeing black women be themselves. Exactly. You know, where there's there's no white people around them where they have to, like, act a certain way when it's just their own space and they're just letting it all out. That's my love. Now back to your character. <laughs> Damn. We need to wrap it up. Now. Yes, because I love Derek's character because every time he comes up on screen, I just want like, he's just so adorable and he's so sweet. <laughs> and we don't get to see those type of black guys. You know, you have like the tough kind of thing. And I love that Insecure has like a wide variety of different types of men. Yeah. You know, that I really appreciate. What do you think? Um, what? How can I phrase this? Mm-mm. Without you giving it, because they're writing everything now. So I'm trying to think. What, as a fan of the show, what do you think we can look forward to? Like any information you may have, any tidbits. Like, 
I think um, it was exciting for us to see Derek interacting like with Lawrence and with Chad and what that looked like and how he is kind of portraying a different type of masculinity, right. a different type of you know husband or committed person in a relationship. Right. And so I can't say you know where where they're headed as far as what's writing, but it would be um, you know both exciting to see a little bit more into. Tiffany and Derek's relationship and right. like the actual inner workings of that and what goes on. Because we never go home with you guys. Right. No, right. no. And I think we I mean, might, hopefully in season three we that's do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I'm no. Saying. We, might, we might go there and then also see a little bit more of what is it like. You know, because Derek is able to give great advice to Lawrence right. about stepping up and being a man, but he also has a certain amount of like misogyny that's right. still in him. And that's right. real. Yeah, and that's, that's real. real. And so right. I think being able to go deeper into that version of the type of man that Derek is. Now, with this writing on Insecure, and like I said, I mentioned other shows like Atlanta and stuff, in terms of your own writing, mm-hmm. what are you working on now? You want to create your own TV show, new screenplay, and in terms of the content of being, I just feel like this is just the freest time for black people to write right. any kind of show they want, and mm-hmm. people will embrace it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah, well, I've got a couple things that I mean, I have I have a few new things that I I don't want to get too much into because I am um, just in that place. But I think like a few years from now, like if I can create a, a movie that's almost like Eternal Sunshine, but with people oh, really? of color. Listen, yes. I'm trying to get the magic of yes. realism. Could yeah. you bring it, please? Yeah, that's that's 100 what I've what I've been um, kind of focusing on and interested in, and how you know the magic in our lives. Uh, are there and are present and mm-hmm. are real. So to hey, be Wade, able to... I'm going to send you this this project that we did. Oh, please. I think, you, I think you'll dig it. I'd love to. I think I'd you'll love dig to it. Exactly. I'm going to send him architects. He should mm. see that. So, sure. um, yeah. okay. so that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still very much uh, interested in straight male love, in our relationships, <laughs> and why we do what we do to each other, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but also, I think that there is magic in the world, and I'm, I think with cinema... And even with television now, that we're able to really kind of show what we're feeling, mm-hmm. right. and to um, to create that and portray that is definitely where. Because right now we're living in a lot of toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, we are. It's it's rough to be a dude out here nowadays, exactly. and I just feel like we need to have that kind of content that speaks to that. I know that with Moonlight winning and mm-hmm. so many other uh, great TV shows and movies that are coming out, there are actually letting us see black folk as many faceted ways and in different ways and just being able to see something different. Because I I think that's what I... And that's why I'm watching a lot more. Like, I haven't really watched... American shit in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like when I do watch stuff that have white people in it, trust me, it's it's trapped. The Icelandic TV show, it's some Sweden <laughs> Swedish show on Netflix. Like True. it's like I can't watch I can't watch regular American <laughs> shit anymore because it's boring. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're not showing me something new, and you're not showing me something because I always feel like when you're watching TV or films or books or anything like that, I want to feel like I'm getting something that. Even though it might be fictional, I feel like it's something that makes me feel good about my life or gives me some kind of hope or some kind of thinking or make me think beyond myself. And American stuff is not doing that. And I think the only people who are going to save us once again are black people and black content. Well, on that note, that's that's a good one. That's a good point. I mean... (laughs) Here's my here's my contrarian. <laughs> see this is why see this is why Chris and I we need to have our own Criterion collection. Yeah, this is a spinoff TV. It should be happen. called Cocktails and Cinema Critiques. And well, you no, you, I mean, you we'll you, add that to the show. We'll have that and we'll sit and and you'll do that little hand <laughs> thing you're doing right now. 
and you'll look at the camera. He's philosophizing. And you'll you philosophize. And I'll, deep shit. I'll be like, look, can we just get to the surface stuff and like get to it? No, but see, go ahead, sir. No, it's, it's, yes, sir. It's, it's a good point because it just kind of touches in what we were talking about earlier about cinema foreign foreign films. It's kind of like, you know, I was someone was ta- talking about The Rat Catcher, this mm-hmm. movie by Lynn Ramsey right. the other day. And I'm kind of like, you know, there's this way of like trying to like tell a story without, you know, there's this principle in art called closure where you show a few lines mm-hmm. and then you figure out what it is. It's like that's kind of what I love about cinema, which television just can't do because the way it's trying to the way it's trying to tell stories, um, and and you know, in the ability to slow down the pace and let the audience kind of like put pieces together that make. Um, to make to make foreign film interesting, and I see it in some of the foreign TV that I've been watching, mm-hmm. where, they, where, where they where they kind of really respect the audience's intelligence. I think this is what happens over here a lot is they're constantly worrying about is the audience going to understand, and you are and, making bad content because know, of that. And, yeah, as as, <laughs> as opposed to saying, particularly now when everything is fucking niche, you right. know, it's like. Oh, the right audience will understand right. this. So, like, cater to them. Don't make it so that, you know, the people who are going to vote for Roy Moore are going to like this show, you know, because you don't want them to like your show. Yeah, you don't even want to see them. Yeah. <laughs> but certain shit has to make them feel comfortable. Right. And I'm like, no. 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 That's where we... It's, we've come terrible. to the point where we've got, we've got niche film and content and that's the way that's the way it's going to be and we need Wade for you to start creating content that has like that magical ruler that has that kind of stuff where you can go to Cuba where we can go and take our stuff and I'm just talking in particular not just the world family of cinema and those people who love film but in this critical mass time that we are right now in terms of blackness and black people um, and indigenous people all over the world we yes. need you to bring that kind of magical outside the box thinking because I'm telling you cinema will save your life all you need is for that little C, for some little kid somewhere to see something. I, I'm always amazed at all the people who said they were inspired to do something great because they saw a film, they read a book, or they saw a TV show that inspired them. And I think that's what we need to be right now as artists, as aspirational, not just activists, but we need to give that, that aspiring of hope. I think that's why I'm looking so forward to Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You know, And I, we joke about it, like dressing up, but I think Black Panther is, is going to be a game changer, and it has to be. And I'm thinking in terms of all the new people who are creating content who are not trying to make the same old, same old. We need you to be different. We need you to think outside the box. And we need that content because I'm tired of looking at boring <laughs> shit that's not doing well, nothing. Well, I mean, Wasting like, good I mean, wine just, on bad content. i say last thing. different about Black Panther. I mean, Black Panther, you just, it doesn't matter what the movie does. Whatever it happens, quality, whatever it is, that, that Disney is going to throw $150 million at a black project. Uh, right, that's a really good point. Is right. like wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. as much as you is interesting with Wrinkle on Time, that's true. But it's like, but Chris, I'm we was already like, we was already there when Blade first came out. Right, that's that was the it, blackest. That, look, yeah, Blade was black. Yeah, but no, it was I just it made money. That was just no, him, no, no, though. That no, was just no, him. first one, no, because what's your name was in it too. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but the type of who wrote and produced and directed it didn't matter. That's what I'm talking about. Listen. Listen, that's, you know, right. and, yeah. and, and on top of that, it's a black filmmaker. Do, I mean, right. that's I'm Wesley Snipes was black enough for everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. in there. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> okay. 
that was my man, and that was like it made the most. It, Always that was the bet on black. Listen, on red or white. They made so much money. They made so much money, and they had the franchises, but they were scared of blackness then. So Wesley, I apologize. That was your time. You should have been the original Black Panther. They fucked Drop it up. Zone. They they they, they, they tried to get you into some other new thing, and we we fucked up. We dropped right. the ball. I didn't drop the ball. White folk dropped the ball on you because they wasn't ready. And now that they see that these independent creators are making content, and uh, Issa, YouTube, right? You know, you know, uh, guys from Atlanta, Atlanta, they were doing Diara, stuff with you. Yeah, just it. doing. They just yeah. did their shit, and then the audience came to them, right. and they realized, oh shit, people can make money, and we can make this stuff. So right. we need black people to save the world once again. That's what's up. Come save us again, people. On that note. Yes. Oh, and shout out to uh, uh, Mahershala Ali and Carmen right. Jogo for Two Detective Three. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are making, they're making me That's come good. back. They're making me come back to watch some American shit and all that. Oh, my. Carmen Jogo, Y'all been sleeping on Carmen for I like Carmen so years. Right. What was she just in? Never mind. Go watch Lackawanna Blues. <laughs> girlfriend experience. Yes. Right, right. right. Go watch Lackawanna Blues just to, to marvel at her beauty and everything. She should have been the star of the Alien movie, because, but they killed her character off and let that other white girl who was boring as fuck go through the movie. And he's like, you got fucking Carmen and Jogo in outer space? Right. And you fucked that up? So anyway, mm. congrats to those two. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys do some amazing work. So there you have it. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. How we do? Where you at, Chris? Uh, <laughs> I'm at shadowboxercinema.net. That's just so long to say. It's just so mouthy. So? Uh, <laughs> he's like, <"That's> yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on to the to the to the guy who asked us the question. See, that's just how we talk to each other. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> uh, I'm at unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram, and that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Where you at, Lisa? Uh, you know, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, apologies to the fam last night. I. I don't know what happened. I usually do Saturday Night Sci-Fi with all the Geek Soul Brother and all the fam. So I missed out. Um, they did some Netflix TV show I'd never heard of. So I'll see you guys next Saturday at Saturday Night Sci-Fi. Uh, if you find me on Bitch Flicks, um, you can find me, uh, as always, on Twitter. I'm in the new book, um, the Octavia E. Butler book. Um, shit, what's the name of the book? <laughs> Luminescent, Luminescent Threads. So uh, it just came out a couple of months ago. It's a whole book about... Um, artists, writers, educators, environmentalists were writing about Octavia Butler. So I have an essay in there um, talking about my connection to her and how she influenced me and all that good stuff. So please check out the book. Um, Shout out to Firelit Magazine. For those of you who like science fiction, um, a shitload of black folk from the magazine. What about the book that that, that you stole from me? What about that one? Well, hold on, hold on. Go check out Phylum Magazine because a lot of them are, those black writers are on the Nebula suggested reading list, which is right. huge. So shout out to all the black folks who are writing the great sci-fi. I'll be with y'all in a little bit because I got some new stuff coming down the pipeline. So hootie hoo fam. And what's the other book? What? The book, the book that, you, that I gave you took home. Yes. So was it one of our listeners who yes. sent that? Yes. Do you remember our listener's name? Not off the top of my thank head. Thank you. Whoever me. our listener is, I want to thank you. If, I, if you. if you're on Twitter and you follow me, um, hit me up and let me know for the book. Uh, it's Nichelle. Oh, shit. What's Nichelle's last name? Anyway, it's a book oh, called... Tran, uh, she married to Malcolm Spellman? No, 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 no. no, no. no this no. is a... She put a book together. It's called Vintage Black Glamour. It's two books. One has black men and one has black women, right. but it's vintage glamour. But basically, it's all like celebrities and artists 
um, from the early days of film and TV. It's just black people looking fabulous. And I tweeted, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see yesterday I tweeted a whole bunch of the photos. Not all of them, because I want you to buy the book. But <laughs> well, you just want to see some fabulous blackness and just see black people of all shades, all colors, and just fabulous. Oh, my God, it's a great book. So cool. thank you to that person who sent it. I yeah, appreciate it. Forgive me it. for you, man. I'm blank on your name. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. Lisa, can we get you to say your last name for us one last yeah, time? Yeah, spell it out, bitch. <laughs> Bolakaja. Lisa Bolakaja. I'm on Twitter at what fresh hell is this? So if you can't remember my last name, just remember Dorothy Parker saying what fresh hell is this? And I'm always on Twitter. You may have to mute me because I do talk shit on Twitter. Yeah, she does. Where don't you be, at Wade? Don't be rolling your eyes at me when you say that. Where you at Wade? Anyway, where you at Wade? Um, Are you on Twitter, Wade? I mean, I'm there. No I'm there. But I only got like eight followers. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to follow you right now. Oh, well, look, um, are you on Instagram? Which one are you yeah, using? Yeah, I'm, I'm on both. I'm on All both. Right. I mean, on Twitter, I'm Wade A. Marcus. And on Instagram, I'm Whammy Wade. Whammy Wade. It's a little confusing. I'll have to consolidate that situation. Okay, what's your Twitter handle again? Wade A. Marcus. That's what's up. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. I say Twitter like I'm cool. Um, <laughs> find me on Twitter, at Hilliard Guest. You can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Let me see what else is going on. A lot of shit going on. Um, just want to say happy Turkey Day to everybody by the time this comes out. Turkey Day would have already passed. Uh, happy Native American Heritage Month, and shout out to the Native fam who don't celebrate yep. Thanksgiving, right. but thank God you're still here. We idle no more. Hashtag Choctaw. <laughs> Choctaw. <laughs> we there. You're <laughs> uh, Let me see. What else? What else? What else? Um, thank you to my assistants in here helping us make this shit look fun and interesting and all that. I'm jealous Camille you got assistants. In Santiago. I'm jealous. No what? one desists me. Except for my rat terrier. Uh, well, maybe that's what you get. That's what I get. Walking okay. around. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. We appreciate y'all. Um, so everybody joining with me, y'all know how it is. Oh, go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Um, you can follow us on Stitcher, Google Docs, whatever the fuck you listen to. Follow it. Um, and that's you right. see we're on Facebook, so follow us there, too. Um, joining with us for Wakanda. Wakanda forever. Are we going to add the forever in there? No, we what? could just say Wakanda. Thank okay, y'all so much for having me. It's <laughs> no, it's pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure thank you. having you awesome. on here. Awesome. So y'all oh, don't forget to see him on uh, Snowfall, too. Yeah, yeah, That's definitely. Right. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch Snowfall. That shit's awesome. Um, so check it out. Last y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we keep it real. Mm. We keep it opinionated. What? We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. You got to throw the W's up. Wakanda. Like Westside, you know? Peace, y'all. Oh, wait, we're filming. Bye. Ciao. Wu-Tang. <laughs> Wu-Tang forever. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing and doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no kata. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.